Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Hey everyone, welcome to our latest V8 Sleuth Classic Car Podcast, powered by motorsportpartsaustralia.com.au. I'm Aaron Noonan, he's Will Dale. Hello, Will. Hello. Uh, We're going to talk about a special car to Holden fans on this episode of the podcast. Uh, It was known as Beth, and was probably most famously known for its time with both the Holden Racing Team and John Faulkner Racing. There he goes. This is is at race speed. Oh, That's the brand new 05, the car that's caused so much controversy here during the week. Nifty 50, Brocky side by side in a touch of guards. Listen to the cheers, the grandstand, they're all jumping. Brock from the back of the field up to second. That is a great effort on the part of John Faulkner, and for a few brief, glorious minutes at least, there is the fastest man on the mountain. Yeah, that brings back some memories. Some of those audio grabs, Will. Beth, Holden Commodore, V8, well, really, a V8 supercar in its latter life, mm. but it started as a Peter Brock Bathurst car when he returned to the factory team in, in 1994. A car with a long history, with plenty of stories, with plenty of success, uh, a bit of controversy Indeed. along the way as well. But what springs to mind when I say Beth? Apart from the Kiss song. Oh, <laughs> But you, okay, so you look past the fact that it's a Brock car, that it's this, that, the other. This car, when you look at HRT's dominance of the sport in 99, 2000, early 2000s, this is, you trace back their history, this is the car that put them on that road. It got them going. It didn't yeah. quite hit the mark at the time. I think the Lowndes Bar, Petty Bar car in 96 is the one that really then oh, pushed it into the, to the results. But, but this is where that philosophy of engineering yeah. began. Yeah, definitely. And we should say that Beth was the nickname given to this Holden Racing Team Commodore that was built as a VP model car for Peter Brock in late 1994. Mm. Um, And one of the most – and at the time, Tony Fredrickson was the new car builder chief at HRT. He'd been at Arrows in Formula 1, an Australian guy. Uh, He works with uh, Nissan in more recent years, uh, head office. Um, But he had a little habit of naming the cars. And this was the first of a batch of about five or six that were built under his watch. And for a lot of years, until I wrote the book on the history of HRT cars a few years ago and tracked him down to have a chat, Mm. I never knew why it was called Beth. Do you know why it was called Beth? No, I was about to ask. Well, it was actually the name of a baby girl who was born to friends of Tony's at the time. Ah, so okay. this car became known as Beth, and I think on the the left front um, shotgun, uh, oh sorry, on the on the uh, chassis rail, I think there's a sticker, Beth, that's, that's been cool. placed there over the years. He told me with the later cars a while ago that he also used to take out birth notices in the Herald Sun or the Age or one <laughs> of the Melbourne papers. <laughs> he, that's true. He told me that as well. We must try to find one of those. That would For be sure. hilarious if you've ever seen one or. Kept a clipping or scanned it somewhere, sent it to us via socials or, or online. Um, that would be really cool. But this car had a long, long life, and that's why mm. I think a lot of people really remember it very well. For HRT, um, it was a Peter Brock car that was converted to VR. It was sold to John Faulkner, the privateer, who moved from Super Speedway, NASCAR, Oscar into Group A, as it was then known. Um, and he ran that car for 96, 97, 98 
uh, a few guys had a run in 99, and then it was part of the first ever V8 light series in mm. 2000. So it had a pretty long – I mean, uh, we've gone through our database here, um, not counting events that it did later on, but I think it did just over 70-odd touring car or V8 supercar or development series events in its life. So – it's a fair bit of racing. Indeed, especially in a period where it's not like today where there are 15, 16 events. There were periods of that car's life where it would only have done 10 events in a season. If yeah, there are thereabouts with a couple extra when the non-championship stuff gets mm. uh, thrown into it. But this car started with a lot of controversy because this was the car that um, at the time um, – the, the, the magazines of the period, Auto Action Magazine and the industry ones, um, really love the link between um, HRT and Tom Walkinshaw racing overseas and that this was the Brox F1 Bathurst weapon and, mm. um, and the cage was much different. So this is the first roll cage that they designed for one of their uh, HRT Commodores using CAD, computer-aided mm. design. Um, so it, it used a whole pile of different things that hadn't been seen in touring car racing to that point. It was setting a new benchmark on um, how funky you could get things and how you could use different... Um, like an applied mathematical engineering yeah, analytical exactly, approach exactly. to designing a race car. And the composites were a really big part of that. So um, they wanted to save as much weight in that car as possible. So the switch gear in the centre console... Um, they are going to make that from carbon fibre. That's how far they were going to go with it. But there was a lot of negativity from other teams about the use of carbon fibre. So they <laughs> yeah. had to gra- – he grabbed a left-hand B-pillar bit of plastic and made it out of that. So um, <laughs> Resourceful. I like it. Yeah, exactly. So this car rolls out. Remember that Brock returned – Peter Brock returned to the Holden Racing Team. We well, didn't return to the Holden Racing Team. He'd never been at the he team. He returned to the factory To the factory Holden, Holden organisation. Yes. yes. In that year, 1994, Mobile had come with him. Mm. Uh, Advantage Racing had closed down. Uh, the car he drove during the Touring Car Championship was one of their older VNs that had been rebirthed as a VP and rebuilt and mm. refettled. So this was a brand-new, fresh, clean sheet of paper. Uh, this car actually uh, did its first runs in testing, private testing. Then it actually went to Bathurst before the Bathurst event because it ran the hot August lap media day. Um, where they was had a semi-shootout at the end of the day. Yeah, and won 10 grand. So yeah. it was off to a really, really good start. I think that was the lap Brock did was the fastest supercar lap around Bathurst uh, at that time. 212.61 I've got here. So mm. that was pretty Which was quicker than the previous for, year's pole time. Yeah, quicker pretty, than Dick's Sierra shootout lap. I think Larry's pole in 93 was a low 13 from memory off the top mm. of my head. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it had all the... It had the attention because it was a Brock car, because it had the headlines. It goes out and does that. And then sits um, on pole for its first race. A pole at Sandown 500, which I think was wet, changeable conditions. Uh, so Brock and Thomas Mazira give that car its debut. They finish sixth. Mm. Uh, Brock drops off the road over at the S's and bumps the front spoiler off it, and that delays them a little bit. But um, it's Bathurst when the proverbial hits the fan in oh. the lead-up with the suspension towers on that car. Mm. Um, so huge controversy in the lead-up with um, the fastest time of the day in qualifying early in the week um, being thrown out. And yeah. actually other teams asking for that car to be thrown out of the weekend, um, which it just it revolved around their interpretation of the rules about the homologated suspension mounting points and where they could be relocated within a radius of, I think it was 20 mils from memory. So and two, two the, centimetres doesn't sound like much, but it can, uh, it can, it, it can. I mean, so the team said that the towers had been reformed and re-stretched from an original Holden part. 
mm. and that they're on the same plane with the wheel arches um, and at the same height and all the holes are in the same spots and mounting points and location. So, I mean, Ron Harrop, who was the HRT consultant, engineer and uh, race engineered Brock back mm. in those days, um, his quote, I just I pulled out the HRT yeah. car history book here because it's a, he said, to my mind, it was completely legal. I got pretty upset about that one. The powers that be said to just cop it, which I presume he means the powers that be within the team. Mm. Um, but we weren't cheating, so why should we just cop it? The directive from above was to just let it go away. And the solution in the end was they fitted spaces. Exactly. And the car ran, um, and of course Brock crashed it, top of the mountain. And don't forget, adding to that controversy in the heated sort of debate around that car, there was a hundred grand uh, riding on that, that race. Caused for Brock. a stink. So yeah. the Australian Racing Drivers Club, who ran the Bathurst One Thousand at the time, put up hundred thousand dollars for Brock mm. to win his tenth Bathurst, which, from memory, was a ten thousand dollar bet placed at ten to one. Oh, That's how that okay. was done, from my memory. Um, we can check into that a bit more with the powers that be, but I'm mm. pretty sure that's what happened. So for publicity purposes, ten grand spend, got some amazing press and PR, mm. pissed off the other teams no end. Why should this guy get an additional bonus payment that we won't get if we win the race? Because that ranked pretty comparably with it was what you would actually get. It was a hundred grand to win the race at the time. Yeah. So it was to double the win. Mm. Which anytime you can double a hundred grand You're not uh, saying no. I'm up for it. Yeah. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticket Tech. Supercars. Unforgettable. Um, so this was the car that Brock uh, crashed out at the top of the mountain late in the 94 race when they were running second, I think they were at the time. Fourth, I think. Once all the final stops had shaken out, they were or third or fourth. I think they were going to be on target for the podium. They were a lot without another safety car. I remember looking a few years ago back when I was working for Speed TV, did something very silly and did a live blog of the 94 Bathurst 1000. <laughs> you did, didn't you? Yeah, as you do, you know. You so can't I, just do that in two hours. You've got to do the whole race. Well, I put probably far more preparation into it than any sensible person would. So I went back and grabbed the Natsoft timing data, which still exists, popped it in a spreadsheet file and worked out the gaps on any given lap of the race. So Brock was the best part of 30 seconds off the lead, wasn't really closing at the time, maybe didn't quite have the one-lap pace that the number 17 Falcon of Johnson and Bauer had. So without a late safety car, which ironically he provided... He caused it, yeah. Uh, I don't think that was a genuine shot for 05 to win that race by that point. Thomas Mazzura would probably disagree with you, but... He probably would, But yeah. the reality <laughs> was that they were in defence and done. So the team converted this car, Beth, to a VR for the next year. So that was... Um, obviously the rear wing changed it became mm. a, a central mounting point rather than the end plates that the VP had had different front spoiler a sleeker um, overall look yeah it look, looked a bit sleeker compared to the VP which looked a bit boxy when you compare mm. it now to the VR and sli- um, slight diversion on a personal note this is actually the first supercar race car I ever saw in the flesh really the yeah. 05 HRT Beth Commodore yeah we were on a family holiday down in Melbourne that sort of summer and we popped down to Phillip Island for the day and you know being a lover of motorsport. With the thought that you were going to see some race cars or that you were no, going to just, see some penguins? Just to go have a look at Phillip Island. But while we're there, let's go have a look at the racetrack. And we've driven down to the um, the fencing on the exit of Siberia and lo and behold, 
I was a racing team were doing a test that day. So yeah, <laughs> round comes Brock in 05. He does one lap, looks over at us. Next time around, looks over and gives us a wave. So <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing some of the little stories that we've all got from our experiences of the sport when we're when we're young and hmm. getting um, exposed to it for, for the first time. Uh, this car became the VR for 1995 for Brock for the Touring Car Championship. So, I mean, you look back through the result sheet and he was a regular podium finisher that year. He didn't win a round, but that's when he won a race, remember, on his 50th birthday mm. at Simmons Plains. Um, the second race, I think it was from memory, Ran a really hard Bridgestone tyre compound. The old Bedrock Special. The Bedrock yeah. Special, I think they were called at the time. And he came through, I think, not many laps to go. Got by John Bow, the Tasmanian hero, the guy who was hmm. the eventual champion, uh, and went on and won that race. So um, it was appropriate, wasn't it? The bloke in 05 won on his 50th birthday. He just reversed <laughs> yes. the numbers. He could have swapped them. I mean, these days when we tend to change numbers for milestone rounds or anniversaries, Surely, if that was happening today, we'd have spun him around to number 50 for the weekend. Oh, I reckon you'd have had a reasonable fight on your hands no, with Brock fans. Uh, no, I'd do the it. sacred you, 05. You know why I'd do it? You'd make a truckload of model cars, <laughs> and all you'd have to do is swap two stickers. <laughs> swap like them it. around. I like it. Well, they ran 50 a few years later, remember, for Scaife. That's when true. He turned up. That's true. 50th anniversary of uh, Holden in Australia. Um, Beth was a car that, for Brock, didn't deliver lots of wins, but I think one of the drives, the best drives he delivered was at Malala yeah, in 95. Yes. So he just, I think, just come back from the Round Australia Rally and there was contact in the first corner or two. He spins off the road. He's back at the pack in a 20-lap, I think it was, sprint race. Hmm. He gets to second. It was nuts. He yeah. just hunted them down one by one, passed them all, got to within sight of the leader as well but ran out of laps. Peter Brock in all sorts of trouble at the back of the field. It was Brock who spun sideways there. He's back in last position and for the man trying to track down John Bowles 32 point buffer in this championship that is a cr critical blow. Well Brocky's on the move in 05 so it's tightened up here the championship points. Brock needs a, a haul of them to pick up some ground on John Bow and the championship itself. Seaton's already made his move. Listen, what a listen to the crowd will you? They're cheering all the way around the track. They can't believe this. Listen to the cheers, the grandstand. They're all jumping. Brock from the back of the field up to second. That's one of his best ever drives that so many people just completely overlook and it came in Beth. Absolutely. You can imagine him being fired up as well because he was a title contender that year. So being spun to the back of the pack in any race, massive dagger through his hopes of getting what would have been his first title since 1980. Yeah, and he never won another championship. No. He only won three championships. 74, 8, and 80. Mm. So, yeah, that was probably his, his best last shot at a championship because, and, yeah. I mean, look at the – I mean, have a look at – um, I brought the result sheet just to – I like to put numbers with things so as I'm talking facts, not fiction, but mm. uh, 95 round results, fourth – and this is the overall, not the individual race. Mm. Fourth at Sandown, second at Simmons, seventh at Bathurst, second at Phillip Island, third at Lakeside and at Winton, second at Eastern Creek, second at Malar, second at Barbagallo. Model of consistency. On yeah. pole for Barbagallo as well. Yeah, so, um, you know, he was there. It was he, Bow, and Seaton 
in that year. Um, and took and took the title race down to the final round at Oran Park, but, but not he in wasn't in that car. No, yes. they debuted a new car on the quiet. They didn't tell anybody because mm. they didn't want the new car headlines that Beth had generated mm. uh, a year or so earlier because they just wanted to go about their business quietly. Um, before we chat some more about Beth, Will, I wanted to tell our fine friends here at the V8 Sleuth podcast about our good mates at Motorsport Parts Australia. Now, they're a, a sponsor of our V8 Sleuth Touring Car Classic later in the year. The Pole Position Awards for the weekend at Winton uh, will be um, sponsored by MPA. Got some dollars on the line for some prize money as well. And as their name suggests, they stock a wide and expanding range of race car parts, especially those hard-to-find bits that you're struggling to find elsewhere. They're an online store, so whatever you need, wherever you are, they can sort you out. And they've got a fair bit of advice and guidance that they can give you too. They know what they're talking about. Their tech team's got over 20 years of racing experience. Check out their online store at motorsportpartsaustralia.com.au. Did I do that well? I think you nailed it. If I, cool. if I had a race car, I'd be... I'd be hitting them up Hang right on. about now. Let, let me get out my computer to log this in. And if you're listening to this Q&A podcast sometime down the track, after the V8 Sleuth Classic's been held at Winton on the Father's Day weekend in 2019, still go to the Motorsports, uh, motorsportpartsaustralia.com.au website. Is you were doing so well. I was doing so well, and then I didn't do so well. Anyway, let's get back to Beth. The car that then uh, was bedged mm. was sold to John Faulkner for his move into to V8 racing, but he that was not the first V8 he bought. No, no, it wasn't either, was it? No. Well, what did he buy that he didn't race? It was a crashed car. It was a crashed VP. Uh, a crashed VR. A crashed VR. The Truckee Parsons car from Bathurst ah, 95. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but never got it put back together and, and raced. It, it does live on. Um, mm. but, but never became John Faulkner's race car. Yeah, did a deal with HRT to buy Beth, and it became the better electrical Fisher Paykel 46 white Commodore with the splashes of blue and yellow. But had one last race in HRT but, colours. Yeah, that's right, and a lot of people overlooked that. So uh, Brock has a shunt at Eastern Creek on the short track in 96 with Seaton and Scaife involved. Mm. Scaife and Brock end up in the fence, uh, and that car that uh, he was driving, which was the car that was introduced for um, Oran Park 95 that we talked about before, um, needed some work, so they needed to repair it. So they needed to drag out. They'd sold this Beth car to Faulkner but hadn't delivered it yet, so they had to say, sorry, John, <laughs> we need this car for <laughs> yeah. the weekend. So Brock drove it at the Sandown Touring Car Round in 96 HRT colours and then it went to Faulkner and he um, picked it up from there and uh, it formed a really important part of JFR for quite some years. And it's a car that a lot of people drove um, – not just John Faulkner. I mean, mm. he had Steve Harrington co-drive with him at Bathurst in 96. Remember, he put in the shootout that year. Oh, that was a, a massive yeah. deal for a privateer. Um, that one lap of, you know, two minutes, 12 of television exposure. Wasn't he stoked about it at the end of that lap? That was a real hoot. That's the fastest lap this car and me have ever done around Mount Panorama. And to do it all in front of our sponsors who have been with us a long time, as a lot of our guys from better and F&P up on the hill there at... Uh, that lap was for them. Really good. And he was damn competitive. Remember, he got himself a Bridgestone tyre deal as well, which mm. really stepped him up. And this was a small little team, JFR. This is when, um, around that era, Les Small had been working with him. Later on, Barry Ryan turned up. Of course, Barry's now the team manager of Eros Motorsport. Mm. But we sort of got to know Barry for the first time when he rolled into V8s with JF and JFR. Uh, little team based over in Oakley South. Used to drive past their workshop regularly. A small team. They would have only had a handful of full-time people. It was a time when you could run a V8 Supercars yeah. team with a handful of good, smart people, lean operation, and get some good results. Yeah, a level one car 
from HRT with a little bit of HRT support in the early period. Mm. Uh, remember that Win Percy came and drove with him in the Enduros in 97. Uh, they finished fourth at Sandown, fifth at Bathurst. He won the Privateers Cup. Uh, it's the car that Todd Kelly got his first V8 start in. Oh, yes. Uh, in the Enduros in, in 1998. Um, and remember then JF moved to the VT Commodore but kept this car up his sleeve. Uh, Cameron McConville, former V8 Sleuth podcast guest who discussed that JFR deal, he drove Beth for a couple of rounds that year with the backing of Tom Warwick and uh, Peter Hill to get himself ready for the HRT uh, endurance seat that he had alongside Craig Lowndes. And did very well in that car in several of those rounds. Uh, he finished sixth overall in the Calder round. Yeah. So, I mean, in the fields of 36 in those days, that was pretty solid. Um, it's the car that Paul Umbrell first appeared and made his V8 supercar debut in at Simmons Plains in 1999. And therefore he- a record-setting car, because he held the record for the youngest driver to start a championship race for quite a long time uh, after yeah, that. Yeah, he was 16 at the time, I think, from memory. Mm, what uh, a- and at, or 17, or just at 17, he was still at school. Mm. And that record was only beaten a couple of years ago by Alex Rulo. Mm. Ironically, for uh, Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport, yes. Paul's brother's yeah. team. So uh, this stuff all is interconnected. Matthew White had a run in it a few times, so then he and Dumbrell teamed up for the Enduros that year. And I think the thing that's overlooked, if I said that Stephen Richards raced Beth, you'd look at me strange, wouldn't you? I would. I am looking at you strange right now. Go- that's that's no different to any other day well, of the week here at the office. Yeah. But Gold Coast 1999, remember that the Gold Coast became the – was moved to the end of the year, but Bathurst was later than the Gold mm. Coast back in that period. So non-championship race on the Gold Coast, everyone wanted to protect their Bathurst cars. Um, like so, HRT went back to the two v- Young yeah, Lions VSs. Yeah, so um, so this VS was painted in – so as there were two wins cars um, on the grid for that weekend, mm. uh, the Gibson cars didn't run. Uh, John Faulkner ran his car in wins colours as he did – for Bathurst that year to make sure uh, yeah, there yes. were two wins cars. Remember that Richards and Murphy were in the car that won the race. Mm. They didn't run the Gibson cars at the Gold Coast. Um, and Stephen Richards drove Beth, uh, the JFR car, in wins colours to fulfil the obligation of wins of having two cars on the grid for that Gold Coast weekend. So that's the one time that Stevie Richards raced it. Mm. Port Umbrella crashed it at Bathurst in his first debut 1000 in a hard hit 99. Too. Yep, top of the hill. And then it became a part of the, the start of what we know as Super 2, mm. but it was the Konica V8 Light Series there. So Ryan McLeod ran that car in... Um, was it Kmart? Livery? Kmart Colours. Yeah. He won the round at Phillip Island. He and uh, Wayne Wakefield fought for race wins and podiums and the like, and then they actually teamed up in the same car for Bathurst. But it wasn't Kmart. No, no, no. What Very memorable livery. The um, Chico Roll livery. That's right. The yeah. Chico car. Uh. Yes, <laughs> the Chico roll. Could you get any more Australian? Um, and then got wiped out. The oh, extent. no! And damage here for Ryan McLeod and Wayne Wakefield and the Chico Commodore. Pow! Huge disappointment for the privateers, two of the stars of the Conica series this year. But that is not the way they wanted to end the FII 1000 campaign. I'm not sure what happened there, whether he got touched or... There's a couple of other cars around him. Not sure what set it off. Rick yeah. Bates was there and so too was the Wins Commodore. And then it lived on, though, into 2001 with Owen Kelly in the um, Konica V8 Supercar Series, hmm. as it was known then, and he won the round at Winton. So it, it did some good stuff over the years, and we've named a lot of great drivers who, who raced it and did good things in it. There's a couple that we haven't mentioned, mm, Go on, go on. So if you go back 
back to its HRT years, this mm. was the very first supercar that Greg Murphy drove. It is. So this is Greg Murphy in 1995, who's an Audi super touring driver, who gets a phone call, and the phone call is, come and have a drive. So this is, I think, May 1995, and, and Murph's told me this story before. Uh, I'm sure we'll get him on the podcast one day to, to mm. talk further about it, but basically it was a wet day out at Calder. No, and they I'm shocked. Said, come, come and have a drive of one of our cars mm. with the view, obviously. They're thinking of what they're doing for the Enduros. Um, and it's pelting with rain. And what car do they have available for him to drive? It's the 05. It's Brock's car with Brock's name on the window. So Greg Murphy's first test of a V8 supercar, as they're now called, um, is in a HRT Peter Brock car at Calder on a pelting day where it's <laughs> pelting down. And, of course, VHT surface on the track at Calder from drag racing. Oh, yes. Ooh. You know what he did? He nearly crashed it. Oh. He, he dabbed the throttle and it turned hard right towards the fence and he very nearly sprayed along the wall, but he managed to get away with it. And uh, For a good couple of tenths of a second, though, that, w- that would have been terrifying. Uh, yeah, and he got the gig. And he got the gig the next year and he won Bathurst. So that's where it started. So uh, that car, Beth, lives on. Uh, It was sold to Milton Seferis after its time with JFR. He did a bit of sports sedan racing in it. And I think he also ran it at Bathurst in one of those Konica Mm. Saturday afternoon races to pretty much end its V8 supercar uh, life. But over time, it's been um, restored, uh, not back to VP spec because to... D a lot take of, of VR yeah. to VPs, massive amount of work and budget clearly too. Mm. Um, and probably takes away some of the authenticity of that car yeah. too. So it's been uh, – last time I spoke to him, I think the, the intent is for that to be returning to 1995 Peter Brock HRT VR. Which is it's probably spec. its most memorable or yeah, its greatest successes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think that's – as a VR, that's probably the best way to go. Mm. Um, obviously, there's that win at Simmons Plains. There's plenty of podiums. Uh, there's no other cars out there with a 95 livery that ran them from HRT in the period that mm. other teams or other people that own the cars have put them back to. So um, that's the great part about so many of these cars from V8 supercar history. They live on. And mm. the great thing is I think that the legends will grow. Um, and as time goes on, more of the stories that couldn't be told at the time uh, can be told moving forward and hopefully we're there to tell them. And we'll have great fun doing so. I reckon we will. Yeah. We've got plenty to tell. Uh, that's been our V8 Sleuth Classic Car Podcast powered by Motorsport Parts Australia. Thanks to everyone for listening. It's been a drive down memory lane having a talk about one of the cars that came at a time in our young lives that really got us hooked on the sport. Hope you've enjoyed listening to it. We'll have more V8 Sleuth Podcasts in the very near future. Make sure you subscribe via Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anything else? Google. 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 Yeah, I think we've covered it all. If you subscribe, you'll get the notification of when our latest episode's up and online. So you don't have to go looking for it. It'll find you. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil and find out.